0: You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere
1: What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of Pure Pleasure with Dewey Halpas on Jabberjaw Media. I am Dewey, your host with the most, bringing you more great content week after week. This week, we have Mr. Jonah Matranga from FAR, one-line drawing, gratitude, new and original. Uh, Jonah is a very prolific man. He's been in all kinds of bands. Uh, he's now an author. He's got all kinds of stuff going on. Um, such an awesome dude. I really, <clears throat> excuse me, I really had a, an awesome time talking to him. and it's funny because I reached out to Jonah, oh, in the evening one night, and I think by the next morning he'd already responded and was down to do it. And that really fits his uh, fits the way he does things. I think he he played our basement, you know 20 some years ago, uh, just off an email, came and played uh, with one line drawing. And it was such a cool experience, you know, especially in our younger days, you know, before we knew what the music business was and how things worked. It was, it was still really refreshing to be able to, uh, you know, reach out to somebody and, and, and have them respond and, and, you know, especially being as young as we were. So uh, it was an awesome conversation. Jonah's an amazing person. And, you know, kudos to him for coming on and being a great guest. We go all over the place with topics, uh, as we always do. I think you guys appreciate that about this show. Uh, you know, it can go anywhere. I think we even talked about Scientology a little bit on this episode. So uh, lots for everybody to digest. And, you know, thank you guys so much for coming back week after week. I really appreciate, you know, having the support from you guys and knowing you guys are, are checking out the episodes and enjoying them. I hope you guys got through that last blast of episodes. I put out 10 episodes at the beginning of February and I know it's hard to get through that much content. I know the one with Emma Arnold went about two and a half hours. And uh, so if you guys got through that, cheers to you. Hopefully maybe you have some left to get you through your commute and all that business. But uh, yeah, we're back with Jonah Matranga. So um, go to peerpleasurepodcast.com. That's the website that has all the information. Uh, you know, all the links and and show notes, and then you know, if you if you shout out the show to somebody and send them somewhere, send them to peerpleasurepodcast.com. And they can pull up basically every episode. There's like a media player on there that has all of them on there. They can scroll through and see what they like. Um, And with that being said, definitely share this with a friend. Uh, If you like the show, that's the best thing you can possibly do. And, uh, yeah, definitely appreciate it. been getting a lot more reviews on the show, which is also appreciated. I love seeing those reviews come in. Uh, It makes me think that – or, well, it doesn't make me think. It it shows me that people are listening, uh, you know, good or bad. And uh, I appreciate it. So thank you guys for that. Uh, peerpleasurepod at gmail.com is the email. You can get in touch with me, uh, You know answer all my mail, uh, guest ideas, comments, anything. You can just hit me up, peerpleasurepod at gmail.com. All right, guys, no sponsors this week again. Uh, keeping it fresh, keeping it short. Uh, so without further ado, let's get into my conversation with Jonah Matranga. Uh-huh.
2: about our saints we're never
1: Going on, guys. This is Dewey. I want to tell you about some new releases coming up from Equal Vision Records. As you guys know, Equal Vision Records is my family, and so are these bands. I really want you to check these out. We've got Hot Water Music with their tenth studio album, Vows, out May tenth featuring guest appearances by Dallas Green of City and Color, Thrice, The Interrupters, and Brendan and Daniel from Turnstile. See them on their 30th anniversary tour with Quicksand in the States in May and June and Europe in November. Hotwatermusic.com for more info. We also have Be Well with their new 7-inch A Tap I Can't Turn Off out now. First new music in two years from this band. This band is incredible featuring members of Battery, Bane, Darkest Hour, and Fairweather. See them on tour with I Am The Avalanche in June equalvision.com for more info on that and just your general information on equalvision records you're always going to find something you like at equalvision.com go there for vinyl and merch from all of your favorite bands check out Hot Water Music's new record and B-Well's new 7-inch now Now, if you're working, as most people are, online doing collaborations with people from all over the country, all over the world, as easy as that is with the Internet, uh, you want to get those people paid when you put that music online. And splits can do that. You can add an unlimited amount of collaborators to any track. You can change the splits at any time. You can add or remove collaborators at any time. You can see previous splits. And all your collaborators are gonna have to do is sign up for a DistroKid membership, a DistroKid account, so they can get paid. And as always, DistroKid never takes a cut. You and your collaborators get 100% of the earnings in total. A couple other awesome things that they do is they set up an official artist YouTube channel. Uh, You can use Spotify canvas, synced lyrics, promo card to promote your release on social media, a mini video for your socials as well. There's just so many awesome things about using DistroKid. And like I said, I don't advertise things I don't use, haven't signed up for. I have signed up for this. It is a breeze, literally a breeze, and you can get going right away. So definitely check out DistroKid, and I want to give you 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. That is distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP for Peer Pleasure Podcast. Once again, that is 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. DistroKid.com slash VIP slash PPP. Go check out DistroKid right now. DistroKid.com slash VIP slash PPP for 30% off. Um, so being able to give you guys that little bit of extra is a big deal to me and having your support is a big deal to me because if we don't support our artists and creatives, we're not going to have any left. So I appreciate it. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. Go sign up today and get some of this premium pleasure. Hello. Jonah, how are you, buddy? Good, good, man. How you doing? I'm doing Great. I'm doing great. Good. Right on time. <laughs> yeah. I was a little worried. I, I sometimes if, if uh, I don't have everything set up on time, like if there's traffic or something like that, because I cut it pretty tight. Um, sure, sure. Yeah, I get a ring or I get a ring on the freeway and it's like, ah, oh, shit.
0: <laughs> it just happened a uh, yeah. few times.
1: So uh, yeah, can you hear me All okay? All good. Yep. Right on, brother. So uh, Jonah Matranga, welcome to the Peer Pleasure Podcast, my friend. Oh, thanks. (laughs) I usually start right when I, when I call. So I just, or I start recording. I love that. I love
3: that. I hate when we talk and before recording, then the conversation's good, then we turn on the recording and it's goes to shit. So this
1: is good. Exactly. And that's one thing where I don't, I don't edit much either. So unless someone says, Hey, specifically, I don't want this in there, like an album release or something like that. I'm just like, I just leave it and, and roll with it. And I think people like that. So, but yeah, well, right on, man. Well, uh, the reason I reached out was, I mean, you've been on my list for a long time of people that I wanted to talk to on the show. Uh, but I got an email the uh, other day again saying, hey, you need to get Jonah on the podcast. And I was like, dude, I'm going to reach out. And cool, I love how easy it was as far as just hop on the website, shoot an email, and there it is. Like I've, I've always loved that about what you do is is the accessibility and how, uh, I mean, it's just it's just simple it's great and i mean yeah i mean
3: it's it's i mean that's always what my favorite part of the internet was was just just, (laughs) which is especially as an artist was just you know to have a little home where people could come and find me and ironically i think i've become mildly less accessible in the sense that i sometimes don't write back as soon because there's so many inboxes and i will forget about one inbox or another and then i'll find a dm in somewhere and like a month ago but so I'm really I, I just uh I just keep urging people to just go through the site I just want the website to be a real as you say just a simple way to keep in touch it's just a I I'm a little I mean I'm not confused because capitalism but um I'm sad the the cool part about the internet just the easy accessibility and contact part has been just so Diluted and distorted over the years, but I'm happy you dig it, and I still dig it,
1: dude. Absolutely, it's the gatekeeper thing. Like it's like this whole yeah. They say don't be a gatekeeper. Like that's exactly what it is when well, yeah, when things people, get too are sure. people are
3: monetizing our conversations and people are
1: monetizing our know everything. It's, it's uh,
3: you know, and I get it. You know, it's, I mean, I, I work for a living and I understand, but it's it just gets a little bit much, and I mean, especially with all the data mining and all that stuff. It's. Really kind of gross. Um, Yeah, I've been actually working really hard to start a place on my website that can be kind of a full-service thing for people that want to hear a bunch of music and get stuff for less and be on the guest list and sort of keep that thing that I've always had. But it's honestly been more and more difficult over the years with all the networks because everyone's eyeballs are being dragged to different places. Mm -hmm. And I I don't need a million people at the site. I just want anyone to know that if they want to know what I'm doing and they want to be in touch and they want to kind of have that relationship, it is still so possible. And I'm kind of sad that a lot of musicians, I think, kind of gave that up, um, in, in the search for more streams or more whatever it is.
1: Oh, absolutely. And it's exhausting. Let me, I have, I mean, I was after, after like, so like the whole reason, like when I was reaching out to you in the email, I mentioned you played at our basement. This, so this right. was 20 years ago. So like, Right. The funny thing is, we did the same thing back then. Like, we got online to the exactly, the and we were like, "Wait a minute, needs a show in Portland." We have a basement. Our old, our old, like when we were first starting out uh, as a band, our manager was like, "We should do this. We should play the basement show," and blah blah blah. And that's exactly what we did. And you rolled up to the house, yep. and we're like, "Holy shit!" Like, <laughs> what? Well, we were all like, at this time we hadn't done any touring yet, so we were still like super starstruck, and and it was just like, "Holy shit!" Like, this is happening which was awesome. It was like this pure magical thing before we saw behind the curtain of, of later times. And so it was still pure. And we're like, we're just up in the kitchen, like, okay, so we're going to give him all the money and we're going to let him keep all the pizza that's left. And he's going to be so stoked. (laughs) Like we're literally talking about this grown adults talking about this, how to, how to like make this as special as possible. And, uh, and you came and you were amazing and everyone had a great time and everyone, you know, just, Filled the house and and our landlord didn't show up, which was awesome because he was our neighbor, and uh, <laughs> and it was beautiful. And but it was just it was exactly the same as twenty years ago. Like send an email, yeah, I'll be there. Oh fuck yeah, yeah.
3: I mean, I, it, that's the whole thing is like I, I just I've I got really just from very early in being a musician. Obviously, the the songs come first um, and the ideas come first, and that's what I'm the most in love with, and sharing them with people in as personal a way as possible has turned out to be a really close second to all that. And so I've always been so into that. And I I mean, I have so much to thank the internet for. I mean, I really uh, wouldn't probably be doing this for a living if it weren't for it. So uh, I'm grateful for it. And it's been strange how it's really cut both ways over the years in terms of, you know, trying to make a living and trying to keep in touch with people and, um, but yeah, it's and that's always that exact scenario you describe is what I love so much, precisely because there's so many preconceptions. I mean, we have a word in our lexicon called rock star that has nothing to do with being a musician, you know, and mm-hmm. there's there's so much mythology around the music thing. And I get it. I love artists too, and I fall in love with music so deeply and I've met artists and been completely tongue-tied and starstruck, <laughs> just whether they're famous or not, just because I've known them through their tunes. And so I absolutely get it. And I'm never weirded out by it. Um, sincerity just never gets old, honestly. And so I'm never weirded out by it because I'm that person too. Um, and it is a little strange when people keep it, when people kind of get stuck in the, yeah, they can't just be human with me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, um, or they, or they, they presume that I will have an attitude because it's what they presume of artists um and kind of started that way. So it's it's an interesting thing, this the whole musician thing. But I've just I just I'm just a goddamn nerd, you know. <laughs> I just like I just like hanging out with people. I don't know. Um so anyway, um I, I appreciate it. I'm re- and I love that there's this history. One of my favorite things about still being going is that I'm talking to more and more people who yeah, 20 fucking years ago. That's a lifetime ago, you know? Yeah. Um, but here we still are and I'm just really I'm really grateful for that and happy about it.
1: Dude, absolutely. And the, and the cool thing is, I mean, I know the amount if you were to sit down and I know you've probably never done this, but if, I'm sure other people have and look at how many people your your music has influenced over the years. The funny thing is that band that we were in starting and doing our thing, uh, playing that basement show at our house having you come to our house that was like instrumental in motivating us to keep going and do the same thing like talking to people online and and doing that whole thing where where you know keep it as right. as real as possible that band then became Portugal the Man who just you know won a Grammy last year and like it, like took over incredible. with the, it, and but that's the basement like that was us like that that's where it started was holy shit we could do this like it was one of those things right. And that that whole over this twenty years has spawned into something enormous, you know. And I'm, it's crazy. I love that. I, that's,
3: that's, that's an amazing. That's an amazing story. Are you still playing with Portugal?
1: No, no. I stopped in two thousand seven. Uh-huh. I, I I have three kids now, and so I needed to get like a, yeah. a day yep. job, so I, or like a career of some kind. So I'm a commercial plumber now. Sure. But yep. that's what the show's for. Is so I can keep in touch with people, you know, stay creative, and it's something where. I don't require, you know, I don't need money from the show. Like I don't have to try to monetize it every second and I don't, I can do what I want, which is, which is really freeing with that. Where, okay, I want to talk to this person, you know, like, um, yeah,
3: I've been, I've been kind of, I mean, I'm not, it's, you know, it's kind of a grass is always greener thing, but I I love that you have, yeah, you have an income, you have that sorted out. And then you get to do this without needing to worry about the monetization of it. And of course, as as personal as i've always tried to keep it and been interested in keeping it there is always like i've got to, I've got to be able to keep going <laughs> and there were you know there were a few years there where i mean i would say honestly for the past few years i've been kind of wondering huh is this still sustainable i mean it just um the music industry has just imploded and the a lot of the places that i would play are gone and um So it's been an interesting time, but I'm feeling really optimistic because this this little community on the website, it's basically just a a DIY crowdfunded patronage thing. Um, and it just, it's been really heartening to have people be psyched to keep in touch in this way and, you know, a few bucks a month or whatever. And it really helps me get to keep going and not have to worry about, as you say, trying to make the money and trying to do it. I just, um, i've i've just really i'm really grateful for the little community
1: sure. well how did well yeah. one thing comes to mind talking about this i mean spanning 20 years now from when we first got in touch with you to now you you're still doing it that way on your site like doing it doing it diy has the music yep. industry's change over this 20 years affected you in a big way because you do still have that i mean you've been just doing it yourself all the way through. I mean, I know, of course, you know. Uh, well, I costs haven't more, actually. But...
3: I, I mean, yeah. It's. I mean, there's a. Oh gosh, there are just endless differences. It's kind of a book that I'm considering writing um, about the the ways in which. I mean, there's been you know endless articles about the ways in which the internet has affected the art industry, mm-hmm. and that's not really news. But I, I kind of want to do one about smaller independent musicians Um, because right from the start my audience generally speaking is comprised of people who are you know like privileged and internet savvy and and also because of you know the sort of the left-leaning political nature of of an indie music scene generally speaking it's a lot of people who are kind of like you know want to stick it to the man or whatever you know whatever Mm -hmm. that means and that's fine and it's just that when downloading music became a thing ironically independent musicians were the most uh disproportionately affected by this because britney fans you know and there's back in the day when the internet was just getting going now obviously i understand that everyone has everything um (laughs) but there was a time when when certainly when Napster was not a thing that everyone knew about Um, and and torrenting and all all of these sort of technologies that have come along, most times it's kind of nerdy, computer-centric people who know about this stuff and take advantage of it. So a lot of mainstream artists weren't actually getting hit that hard initially. I mean, again, now everyone, everything has changed now. But the first 10 years of it, It was ironic because artists that really didn't need the money were still making the money, but a lot of artists that really needed the money, like every sale actually mattered, um, were really. really, It was a tough one, Um, but and between that and the live venue consolidation and um, there's kind of a you know the main myth was, oh well no one's going to pay for music anymore, but everyone's going to come to the show and they'll buy merch. And the obvious math equation that no one wanted to talk about was that, well, if there's a hundred artists and they've all make, you know, let's just for the sake of it, say they make 50% on music sales and 50% on touring and such, because the music sales are gone, they need to tour twice as much to make the same amount of money they made before. And then, of course, then there's twice as many bands touring um, and even one favorite band, if they come through town once a year, sure everyone, you know, I'm going to buy a ticket to see him. Mm-hmm. They comes through town twice. I might not buy a ticket the second time. I'm probably not going to buy a t-shirt the second time, you know? Yeah. And so that whole, that whole initial myth, uh, was, was it, no one questioned it, but everyone living it as an independent artist really felt it. Um, and yeah. And also because, there wasn't a lot of money in it for $30 million CEOs. A lot of entities came in, the Spotify's of the world and all that um, came in to fill this vacuum when, when the, you know, the regular label system had basically dropped the ball on downloading and didn't understand what was coming. And so, you know, God bless technology for doing that. And it also created a wall between the artist and the audience that I was thinking was finally breaking down with the internet, Mm -hmm. but then new middle entities come, came in and the streaming industry, (laughs) I often joke about this, but it's really true. The streaming industry, economically speaking, makes the old major label system look like, you know, the national endowment for the arts. I mean, it just, it, it was, it's such a different thing. There's just no money to be had in that. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is all fine, but the point is, there was a time when all the streaming services were going gangbusters, but there still weren't the tools created for artists to do it by themselves, because everyone wanted a cut. Um, So it's really only been recently that I've been able to figure out a way on my own website. There's actually an amazing little company called Bandzoogle that makes this really great platform that gives the artist a ton of tools. If you want to do the DIY route that, that I can actually exist now. And it's easy to have, you know, to share music and videos and all this stuff on the site and have a, you know, and have a little kind of like gated community on the site. Those things didn't exist for a long time. And so unless you, you had the money to pay a web developer or, or knew a bunch of stuff about web development, it was really, really hard to provide a service akin to what the streaming services could offer. Um, and I don't blame consumers in a lot of ways. In a lot of ways, Spotify is a great deal. You know, here's all the music in the fucking universe for seven bucks a month or whatever it is, you know, 10 bucks a month. But for it, it, you know, it really has, has been tough on independent artists. And again, I feel so grateful that people care enough about me and the music and that the relationships I formed up till that point were were and are strong enough that people will, will seek me out, will ask me to come and play, will have me make recordings for them or write song lyrics for them or whatever it is. Um, I'm just so grateful because I know so many independent artists that just got decimated. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I just... Yeah, and I, I think a lot of people don't understand that if if they're not where an artist is, um, and I to- absolutely get their perspective. I always thought that you know Lars <laughs> when Lars Metallica <laughs> went about it the exact wrong way because mm-hmm. um, it's never been about the artist and the audience. The artist and the audience love each other. That's you know it's a great relationship. It's about these middle entities that are giving the consumer this sort of freemium you know great deal thing, and. It's, it's sort of a microcosm for the way our, our, our world works, sadly, which is that give someone a good enough deal and they're not going to look at the ramifications for someone else.
1: Sure. Sure. Um, look at Walmart.
3: You know, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Like, yeah. oh, yeah, you know, I get an electronic, you know, electronic little gadget thing for 50 bucks and it can do everything, but I don't, because it's a good enough deal, I'm not thinking about, wow, how were they able to manufacture such a cool thing for $50, you know, (laughs) in fucking China, Um, you know, and, but it's, and it's a tough world to live in in that way. It really is the privileged problem, but I absolutely have empathy for anyone who doesn't have the time or the desire to look into these things because they're getting a good deal. It's, I mean, it's, it's, I'm not, I've never been mad at anyone. um, I suppose, except the CEO of Spotify, because, they know better.
1: Yeah. Um,
3: um, and it's, uh, actually sat down with a bunch of people years ago, kind of mid level to really, I mean, Tom Waits was there and there was some relatively successful well off, you know, uh, John McCray from cake was there. And, uh-huh. Um, but anyways, it was a, basically trying to get a collective of artists together to, to, you know, try and get our fair share of this, you know, this, this music we are providing. Um, and a lot of people are talking about lawyers and suing Spotify and talking about the government and da da da. And I'm, I'm in, I think it's all wonderful. I'm happy someone's doing that work. It's not necessarily work that I know what the hell to do, but it's all good. But I just looked around the room and I just, and when I it was my turn to speak, I just said, if, if we all and we kind of got our friends and our touring partners, we could make our own platform where n- just, it would just be so easy to be such a direct artist to fan thing and people could sign up and they could get access to our different music, but we'd be paid more directly and more clearly. There'd be much more transparency and we could make our own little world, which is always what I've been interested in. It's like making my own little world, not mm-hmm. trying to like fit into the big world. And no one was really into it. You know, everyone was really into like the big David and Goliath fight. And I was like, man, why don't we just go over here and we'll hang out and then people can come with us who want to. And so that's what I'm doing on my own now. <laughs> And that's kind of what it's always been is because I've never I've just never seen the ideal little dreamy world that I have in my head reflected in the world in a lot of ways, especially around music. Mm -hmm. And so I've just been the little creature that, like, you know, made my own little hut out in the wilderness. (laughs) Um, And and that's where I'm at, you know. And so it's uh, there's a lot of things that, you know, there's a lot of advantages that I don't have. And after all these years after yeah, I mean this last year marked twenty five years that I am doing this for a living, and I just I'm so happy it went exactly the way it went. I'm so happy about that,
1: man that okay, so that does need to be a book. I know you have a book out now, but the that needs to be a book- that's an interesting perspective on that, and who assembled this group with you and Tom Waits amongst uh, others <laughs> I mean the, uh,
3: john mccray was the was the guy that i first you know because we both kind of grew up musically in sacto Uh
2: um
3: and so he was the guy i heard about it from i think it's got a different name now but it was called the content creators coalition um and yeah they were just kind of kicking off these meetings. i think the dude from cracker was there because he's a lawyer now david Uh lowry um and I, i forget who else i mean i was just Freaking out because Tom Waits was there, honestly So I forget. Yeah, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> and even even Tom Waits, he's so cool, and I love him and everything. But when it was her his turn, his turn to talk, he, he he just you know in his forgive my hilarious impression of Tom Waits but it's kind of a growly voice Uh well I don't know you know I'm I'm doing pretty good so I don't I can't really complain and (laughs) (laughs) and and it's true because he's fine you know yeah Um, absolutely but there are a lot of artists in the room that I know weren't fine um (laughs) <laughs> and so, yeah, <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was funny stuff. But I, I'm not really in touch anymore because, again, it went in this more legal kind of direction and yeah. fundraising and all this stuff. And I just, um, I'm always just looking at people, you know, looking for people who want to, yeah, who want to do it in this fun little personal way. And ironically, I learned about that really from meeting. Massive bands. I, I met you too when I was a really tiny kid. I talk about this in the book, and and I love that you mentioned the book. And the book is more of a memoir about. I didn't really know what it was going to be when I wrote it, mm-hmm. but it turned out to be more a memoir about the. I mean, the way my fatherhood and my musical aspirations intersected and supported each other, and and I just kind of ended up telling a, a in a lot of ways, a much more personal story than I initially intended to, um, and and I'm really happy about it. And there's still a whole other book that really focuses more on the nature of being an independent artist and what that looks like and how that's changed over the years. And, um, and so there's, I'm, I, I yeah, I've got some, I don't know that I would want to write another, whatever my book was two 300 page book. Um, but I could see writing a small book on, hey, if you want to do this yourself, here are some really, really simple, sustainable tips. Um, and here's so, here's a reality check on the economics of it. And here's the, mm-hmm. you know, um, so it's yeah, it's uh, you know, it's on the long list of ideas. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, but yeah.
1: Well, so one thing that that I've been really curious about too, and I wish I wish I I I am gonna pick up the book. Uh, of course, after this, I wish I could have picked it up beforehand and read it before we chatted, but, Mm. but, um, where do you get this DIY spirit from? Like, does it come from your childhood? Does it come from someone specific? I mean, do you remember when, when you kind of got on board with that whole thing? I mean, you talk about creating your own little world and, and your own space and, and kind of, you know, and, but also bringing the community together of people, like-minded people, like where does that come from? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've thought
3: about this a ton, um. And the best I can figure out when I kind of track it back as far as being kind to anyone that likes the music and wants to be in touch. A lot of that really does go back to this first meeting with you too. Um, I was in, I was a sophomore maybe in high school. Um, and it was the unforgettable fire tour and long story short, long, amazing story short. Um, I got to go backstage. My friend got backstage passes. No, you know, I got to tell at least this. Yeah, part. tell the story. Um, this is good. So, stuff. <laughs> okay, here we go. Here we Long, go. I'll, amazing I'll story short
1: and cut it off. Uh, Jesus.
3: <laughs> okay, yeah. No, 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 it's, I mean, it really is amazing. Okay, let's do it. Let's see if I can, let's see if I can pare it down. Okay. I've got it pretty good at this point because I thought, I think about it all the time. <laughs> so, u two's coming to town. It's the unforgettable fire tour, three sold out nights at the Worcester center, which is like a 20,000 seat or something like that. So uh, they're, they're completely blowing up, you know, pride, I think mm-hmm. is number one on the charts. Um, uh, and Worcester's is near Boston. We yes. were in, in, at, at school in Brookline, which is another little place near Boston. So they put tickets on sale on a Tuesday. Uh, we all sleep out on the sidewalk overnight to get good tickets and skip school. Um, and, some enterprising friends of mine, uh, Josh and Beirdra, got in touch with U2's management somehow. I think they found out which hotel they were staying at. They were just some little like fan nerd action, but they got in touch and left a message essentially saying, "Hey, you shouldn't put tickets on sale on a weekday because our choice then is to skip school or to miss out on good tickets." And and here's where the real miracle starts. <laughs> U 2s management gets in touch with them. I think they called my friend Josh's house or something, um, and 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 said, "You're right, we're not going to do that anymore." And they never did. Um, and here's tickets and passes for all three nights.
1: Holy shit!
3: And yeah, which alone is like I've never heard. It's, it's This is this story is the best massive artist <laughs> story I've ever heard in my life, and I'm happy I was a part of it. So uh so they get tickets and passes i go the first night with josh uh and my sister my sister was actually a little more friends with josh at the time than i was um but she knew what a music I was, what a YouTube fan i was so she said you you go backstage with josh after and i was like thank you that rules so we watched the show it was fucking amazing we go backstage we're sort of sitting back there bono <laughs> comes into the backstage area Walks over to me. Me and Josh are standing together. He walks over to me and he says, "Are you Josh Nathan?" And I, I just like was I literally, I was literally speechless. I just pointed to Josh. I just <laughs> what? And he turns to Josh and is like, "Are you the one who's been beaten up on our manager?" And and he knew the whole fucking story. Was so kind about it. Um, I wandered off and talked to the edge for like fifteen minutes about nothing. You know, I was just like a <laughs> little like. So, you know, just I, I can't even imagine the insane, inane bullshit. I was, you know, just stuff about equipment. I'm like, how do you get all the equipment on stage? And, you know, whatever I was saying, he was just so kind. That's all I remember is he just stood with me and he was kind. And it meant so much to me the way they treated me and the way they treated Josh. I mean, so I didn't go the next two nights. Josh went back the next two nights. His mom couldn't, like, didn't want to, like, pick him up after the show on the last night. So Fucking the manager and someone else gave him a ride home in the limo, <laughs> and then and then you two stayed in touch with Josh for several tours after that, and would get in touch with him to see if you wanted tickets.
1: Oh my it, god! It's, just,
3: it's and so give everyone in the world give as much shit to you two as you want to. I'm sure you know they've done some dumb things and says whatever, but know that when the cameras aren't on, that band is as real as any famous artist I've ever known about in my life. And there's lots of other stories that reflect that too, but that story that I lived. So I know it's true. Yeah. Is just the most insane thing. So that was a hugely impactful thing for me. Um, later in my life, when I was kind of getting going in bands and getting out of college, uh, Eddie Vedder and Pearl Jam were the same way for me. Um, I was really excited about them and all of the interactions. See, I have another insane story. I have so many insane stories about this but they're all true but the so yeah um I guess I'll I'll tease everyone on this one and and I've written about this but basically if you watch MTV Unplugged with Pearl Jam back in the day and he starts singing we belong together at the end of black that's because of a fucking mixtape I sent him that he listened to and um yeah what? Um, and yeah <laughs> it's just crazy it it just it just so as, Again, there's there's so many tales <laughs> tell with, with Eddie. Actually, I, I went through a lot with him over the years. Um, totally as a fan, um, and eventually we were on Sony together because when Far was on Sony, Pearl Jam was as well. Yeah. So we were technically label mates, but obviously they were like gazillion selling people, and we were twenty five thousand selling people. Um, but the point is, every time we would hang out, he would be so fucking cool to me, and he would be so kind and present and all of that really, really affected me. Um, I just thought, okay, if ever I have anyone give a shit about this music, I'm going to treat them the way these people treated me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was a big deal. As far as the DIY part of it, I mean, partly I grew up pretty poor. The first memory I really have that I think relates to this is my, one of my first, I think no, my first job was a paper route. Um, when I was maybe oh, eighth grade, seventh grade or something like that. And we were we we had made our way to a relatively middle class neighborhood and we were definitely the you know, one of the you no, know, I would say the poorest family on the street. I think that's probably an easy one. Um but so I would do this paper route and on trash day I would be kind of stunned by what people would throw away. You know, just uh, working toaster ovens and super eight cameras and just all these random things. Mm -hmm. And so on my paper route, I fucking (laughs) take shit off this out of the trash, like on the sidewalk and, and, you know, bring it home with me. And then I, I started building up, you know, this weird junk. And so every few weeks I'd have yard sales, um, with, with the stuff that I found on the sidewalk. And I, my mom found a flyer, uh, several years back now, but it blew my mind because this is after I'd already been doing sliding scale a ton and and doing art the way I've been doing it. And the little flyer that I made when I was, whatever I was, you know, 12, 13, 14, whatever the fuck it was, um, said, take your price yard sale. Because I, because I had all this junk and I really didn't know what it was worth. I would just ask people what they wanted to pay for it when they came to the (laughs) yard sale. Um, and so I think that's always just been in I don't know, just in my blood. I, yeah. I can't remember an influence for that. That just was just a natural thing of making my way in the world and figuring out a way to do it. And I think I've always been something of a, a rebel, you know. Um, and I, I, I in my younger days, for the most part, that was a pretty you know destructive and self-destructive situation. And I think it yielded some good shit. Where I just I if I look around. Even if everyone's doing something one way, if I think of a way that just seems smarter or simpler or cooler, I'm very curious, not only about why other people aren't doing it that way, but if there's any reason that I couldn't do it this other way. And so I just, I just, there's so that I would say there's curiosity, there's early poverty and really valuing, you know, small amounts of money, and there's just really enjoying interaction and what it is to break down a wall of commerce and be a human being with someone that kind of came from meeting the bands when I was young. Um, I think it's some kind of, it's something like that. Um, And I think also it's a natural misfit thing in the sense that I don't, I don't, I just don't feel safe around a a lot of people. And I don't kind of like a lot of people and I kind of don't like the world, uh, you know, as, as, and by world, I mean the human world. Mm -hmm. I, I, I like, the planet. Um, and I like my life and I don't really like the way we've turned out in a lot of ways. There's just a lot of, uh, yeah, just really, yeah, just really kind of shitty lines have been drawn that have really had some major ramifications. And so I just don't like it a, a lot. So I don't really want to hang out. And I guess at some point I realized if I just did it the way I wanted to do it, and was sort of the strange creature that I am. And then I might not have as many friends or as many fans in this case, or whatever it is, but the ones that hang out, we're going to really have something in common. Because I think a lot of times when people find each other and have a community, it's it's more of a... It's, it's sort of a networking thing where where people... People, because they want to be around other people, people will adopt the behaviors and the mores of people around them because Mm -hmm. they want to have friends and they want to have security. And I I totally get it. And that's not really a community to me. That's more of a weird little safety valve thing. And I'm more interested in having the beliefs I have and working it out as best I can. And then if I live that, I will then find other people who are living that as well. Um, and it's just kind of a working theory that's, that seemingly has worked. Um, mm-hmm. and I, a lot of the people that it's not like I'm similar to a lot of the people that like my music or, or I, that I hang out with or anything. And the way that in which we are similar is that none of us are really joiners. We're kind of little, like little individual kind of misfits mm-hmm. and, and we get to be misfits together and it's, mm-hmm. and it's really nice.
1: Man, and you also get to be around – I mean, being around people f- in the physical sense, like in crowds of people and things like that, I mean, you create your own community around you, especially on through the, the site and everything. Like, you have this group, but you don't have to look and see them all the time, and you don't have to be, you know, on all the time, but you can kind of put things out there that's and, and see what right. comes back. You know, that's interesting yeah. to me. That's right, really and
3: exactly. And, and they really actually know me, and I'm not putting on some thing – you know, my performance face or whatever it is. Like I just hang out. And, um, and when I'm at shows, it's really easy to be happy and to be loving and to be present for people because, because of the scale at which I've operated, no one is there, especially at this point, no one's there because they heard about me on pitchfork. Like no one's there because I'm big in the scene. People are there because they've formed a personal relationship with the music in some way. And or their friend told them to come or something. And it's, and so it's really easy to be relaxed and happy there because I'm sitting there singing to and with and hanging out with a, a small group of people. Cause I don't think this, this works that well as the scale goes up, but I'm sitting there with a small group of people who are there because they like what I make and, and, I just think of that like a little five-year-old, you know, like I I drew this. Do you want to see it? Do you like it? Will you give me an apple for it? You know, or whatever. Mm -hmm. That's sort of, that's the attitude. And so people are there to help support me in doing this little dream that has, that's, you know, getting back to the music itself. This, I mean, it's music was, I was a kid in high school who thought, you know, after school in the rain alone, wow, I like music better than I like people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so music has been such a, such a refuge for me. So again, wh- I like that a lot of my audience, we might not have a lot of things in common, but I think music is a real refuge for a lot of us in sure. a way that it, you know, everyone likes music and everything like that, or, you know, whatever, but there's a different relationship that certain people have with it. It's certainly a certainly different relationship that I have with it. Um, where, yeah, I, I kind of really care about what music is on in the background. Um, if if music is on there's a song i love i'd really rather listen to that than talk to the people around me mm-hmm. cuz i just want to have a conversation with the song um and so yeah and I, I it's been nice finding over the years of all of the not very popular bands finding people every in every band i met nice people and then mm-hmm. now that's like a a sweet little kind of family that we've got um however, you know some people met me in far, some people met me in one line drawing, some people met me in new end some people met me in gratitude, and now we're all just hanging out um and and it's and I don't have as big an audience as as uh well you know as far did or you know even you know new end played bigger shows gratitude was was on a major label and was doing these bigger tours. Mm-hmm. I don't do anything like that anymore, and not you know. I would say anytime I've opened for someone or played like a big show of whatever sort, uh, I would, I'm going to say, you know, 10% of the crowd was interested in me. Maybe, maybe it's like a 10% really into me. Um, well, 67% well, one way or the other, whatever. And then, you know, 30% or higher on some real, you know, far tours where we really didn't fit in with some heavy band, you know, some people really fucking hate me. Um, And but that's okay with me because the little 10% is what has really endured. Mm -hmm. And that's all, that's what I've, I'm not really interested in having someone who is into that one single or that one band or that one, you know, people can love whatever they want, but I want someone who's really interested in here's a creature that's making a bunch of fucking music. And sometimes it'll be loud and sometimes it'll be soft and sometimes it'll be silly. And sometimes it'll be super serious. And sometimes I talk a lot and you know, it's, It's, I want people who are in there for all of it. Um, and that's what I've got.
1: Sure. I, well, that's and and on those points, like I, I remember the transition from, so the basement show to then seeing you Mm -hmm. at the meow meow, uh, in Portland and you were traveling, I think you had one of those little teardrop trailers. If I remember right, I don't, I may remember it wrong. It was a little camper trailer. No,
3: no. I think, I think, yeah, that's probably when I was touring with Gavin and Jeremy. Yeah. And I believe that was Jeremy's van and trailer.
1: Perfect. Okay. And then the next time I saw you, I was working security in between tours at a venue called Loveland where you were with gratitude and you were in a bus and seeing you get out of a bus, I was working the parking lot because I wasn't able to see the fucking show, which pissed me off. Because I was working the outside parking lot area, um, security right. wise, I just saw you from across the way getting out of a bus, and I was like, "Jesus Christ, this is crazy." Because I never got to see Far Live, so like, uh, right. I came into Far, you know, Water and Solutions. Uh, a buddy of mine had it in his in his CD booklet, um, giant case right. or whatever. And I was like, "This looks cool." He's like, "Check it out," and I put it on. I was like, "Holy shit!" And but right. but it was cool seeing that transition. So like, uh, but the other thing I was thinking of is is. I talked to a lot of people on this show, and, and everyone has an opinion on music and, and how important it is. But one thing I was thinking of is, especially an artist like you who, who's always creating and always putting stuff out, it's funny to think about that as much as we put in to music, I mean, tirelessly, every day, doing whatever, it, we will never even scratch the surface of, of making up for as much as music has given us. And Mm. you know what I mean? Mm. Like it's given so much to us. I don't think we can put, but when you do put in that tireless work, your music did that to somebody else though, gave them everything Mm -hmm. they needed. And Mm -hmm. it's so weird, Mm -hmm. but you may never hear back from them. You may never know about it, but that song may have saved who, how many lives changed, you know, someone from, you know, one thing to another, got them to a different point in their life. Like it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. The amount of yeah. influence yeah. it can have, but we can never give back enough to make up for what it's given us. It's just this weird thing that will always be there. I don't know. I'm I'm going off on a tangent, but it, it's real. I'm just no, thinking of that, it in that's that way. The kind of
3: relation, yeah. That's the kind of relationship with music that not everyone has.
1: Um,
3: but the people that do, it's a real, it's a real special thing, as you as you are articulating. Absolutely, it's a thing that goes. It's it's tough to figure out what the value is. There's, it's it's kind of literally priceless.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, the, um, there's one thing with that, yeah. too, where I, I've talked about before on the show, but people – so, like, music has been in my life forever, and I don't even understand someone who doesn't think of music in the same way you know like it's weird like people are just like oh yeah i like that beat you know like nickelback fans and stuff like we're just like yeah yeah i just need a good beat you know like um you'll see like uh soldiers and stuff overseas like yeah you know let the bodies hit the floor this is a great song it gets us pumped you know like they're just a surface level fan and uh the weird thing is i work so in the trades i work with a lot of people and this ties into something else i wanted to ask you about but um I work with the old apostolic Lutheran religion. Um, a lot of them don't go to college, so they join a trade or, you know what I mean? And they don't watch TV. They don't listen to music. Uh, no professional sports or anything like that. They just kind of do, I mean, they make things, they're doing things. They're making things. They build their own houses. They, you know, are very skilled in that way because they don't have, they, but they don't have any relationship with music, which is insane to me. Where I actually had a guy ask me what a drum beat was. Like what's what do you you keep saying this beat like what exactly. what is that and I'm like have exactly. you ever been in a Buffalo Wild Wings and like come across like hey I'm tapping my foot to this like what is that's a drum you know uh, someone with complete without music um, due to a, you know a religious belief or whatever uh, is just fascinating sure. to me how I mean and they're always smiling and doing it you know for how many people's lives have been saved by music it just drives me crazy to think about. Man, I just want to play you so many things right now. Like I just want to sit yeah. you down and oh, feed it to you. You know, like it's it's weird. But uh, on the religion piece, I've 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 heard briefly on a another podcast. I think I was I can't remember when I was listening to this that you were on and you were talking about how you had gone through some different you know trying to find yourself and and going through some different religion. You mentioned you had tried Scientology, and huh? I know I know this is a crazy tangent. But tell me about that, because that was interesting, because I've seen so much stuff on this. I've never, of course, gone and, and looked into this at all. But tell me about that, like that time trying to find yourself, like going through that kind of stuff, if you don't mind.
3: Well, yeah, sure. I mean, it's, you know, it's a it's a life's work. Um, I've been a very, very curious creature for, for as long as I can remember. Um so I mean Scientology in particular, it's really honestly my uncle who was also a total seeker, um, he's always trying different stuff and I remember stuff and I remember growing up and uh always being around his house and be different books and different, you know, vitamins and whatever he was into at the time. Mm-hmm. So he got into Scientology. Um, I would have been in my, you know, early twenties at that point and it was a pretty tough time in my life. I was out of school, not really know what I was doing. And I was in far and it was exciting, but we didn't know what the hell that was going. And then I found out I was going to be a dad and my relationship was kind of screwy. And, um, it was my first big relationship, honestly, ever. Um, cause I just didn't have any of those in high school basically. And then in college it was college. And, um, I was just kind of learning what it meant to be whatever, I, I, anything um and so i was so i was pretty yeah i i was pretty going through some pretty heavy shit yeah um yeah. and some pretty heavy stress and so and then i love my uncle and um and i trust him and so he you know paid for a couple of early courses and essentially it, i mean i think it's you know everyone wants some some Not you, but like the world seems to want drama. Oh, yeah, Um, absolutely. And, you know, and there's, you know, there's more than more than its fair share of of controversy and weird shits around Scientology. And I totally get that. Um, And I I think it's true. And I think basically Scientology is super fucking nuts um, just to like do that. And the early courses that I took were really, they were essentially just warmed over Buddhism. They're about staying present. They're about not getting lost in kind of bad memories in the past and, and letting go of that so that I can be more available in the present and really simple concepts. Um, that, uh, and they had some really cool little exercises. Um, uh, just, I mean, essentially involving being present, you know, sort of sitting across from someone and keeping a gaze and, Regardless of what they do or say, like not letting my gaze kind of shift, not, um, not smiling when they smile, not frowning when they frown, not, uh, you know, just sort of staying right there with someone. And a lot of sort of different things that I, I'm a real, real analytical person. And they had a lot of different exercises that kind of got around my brain a little bit, which felt really good. Um, and taught me some things that I've, I've really never forgotten, um, about being present and about when I feel pain and, um, certainly about memories. And so all that said, um, and I didn't get too far into it. Uh, but when I, I, I again, being curious, I also like to kind of pull codes and things and go like, well, why is this this way? Mm-hmm. Um, and I was starting to have conversations more and more, and I just wasn't getting very satisfying answers and kind of learning that the people who are working incredibly hard really seemed like good-hearted people working really hard to kind of keep it going on the little local place I was going and at. But they just seemed – it that's when sort of the more culty stuff came out. And they just – a little bit like the people you were just talking about. They were just so cut off from the world. Um, there was a time when uh, Scientology was, was – I, I was talking to someone about the way they promoted themselves. Um, and I said, you know, I know, you know, the little, the little color flyers and stuff are kind of goofy and they're not really that appealing. And what's more, did you know, there's this thing called email, like there's a thing called the internet that like that, <laughs> where you can, where you can communicate for fucking free. You don't need to mail all this stuff out. It doesn't cost so much money. And, and I remember so clearly the woman who was, I I forget what she did there, but she was, you know, one of the, sort of higher administrative people where, where I was. And it was still kind of early days, but you know, email was America online was a thing. And she didn't know what email was. And I, and I just thought, Oh shit, you're in a weird little cave. Like, I don't know what's happening here, but fuck. And it, it was uh, this, you know, it's kind of this strange, sad moment. Um, and yeah, basically I just kind of drifted away because lots of times I've tried you know, I grew up. Um, my dad actually was studying to be Unitarian minister before uh, before we were born, and and, um, and so and my mom is Jewish, um, as am I, and her parents are were both Jewish as well, and they had both assimilated in sort of trying to become white and American. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they dropped the you know, the inski from our last name and, you know, um, this very typical American assimilation journey and they became Catholic. Um, so what all that meant for me was that my mom was entirely disillusioned with religion because she had to go to fucking Catholic school and it sounded like a nightmare. Um, and my dad was just, you know, kind of wild, you know, intellectual, freaky, (laughs) just hippie. (laughs) Um, and, uh, So we would go to Quaker meetings and we would go to Catholic mass. My grandparents were in town and we'd go to seders. We lived in a very Jewish neighborhood and, um, and we'd still celebrate Christmas because that was just American or something, you know, it's just sort of Mm -hmm. what happened. Um, and so, and as I grew up and just kind of got curious about different belief systems, I remember getting interested in Buddhism and Eastern thought, um, in my teens and sort of early twenties, um, and and then discovering my Jewishness and what even that meant to me and and what that theology is and so I really love looking at all the stories and I don't believe any of them basically in mm-hmm. in the sense that you know I I I don't think <laughs> Jesus' mom was a virgin and I don't think he rose from the dead I mean I don't mean to make any fun of anyone and it's all good and there's sure. lots of interesting thoughts around miraculous thinking and it's a very interesting. Thing to do and it's, it's kind of a beautiful perspective on the world in some ways so I really don't mean to make light of that it's just that for me it just it didn't, it didn't make any sense and it still doesn't and what was interesting was this stuff about kind of how we're going to get along and what that's going to look like um, and I, I, I've just been always curious about that and so, yeah, so Scientology was just this kind of neat little one of eight million. You know, I've done a bunch of weekend workshop shit over the years. I've done therapy of different sorts. I've done mm-hmm. lots of psychedelics and had that kind of experience. Um, I've just been very curious about the world. And so, and, but the, you know, I, I'm not surprised that you asked about Scientology and other people over the years have asked me because it's got such a weird, pop culture rep right now and i think the main thing i'll say about it overall is that it is a mess and it's super freaky and i think they've probably done some really horrible shit like i I don't doubt um a lot of the things that are that are on the you know whatever the documentaries and all that yeah um and i also think it's a very young belief system so for instance scientology i don't know the whole mythology but there's a you know, tons of stuff about intergalactic, whatever the fuck. And I guess Hubbard was a science fiction writer before then and kind of explains a lot of that. Mm -hmm. But the point is those stories sound really, really ridiculous. And we, a, a vast swath of our world in our nation does believe that Jesus was like the one and only son of God and human flesh who died and, and then woke up three days later, like, like really believes that. Mm-hmm. And, and so a lot of the stuff about Scientology and, and, and shit, we don't want to talk about all the people that have been killed in the name of, you know, Christianity and Judaism. Oh and yeah. it, So, so I don't really, I think Scientology is fun to hate because it's young and it looks really weird because we can see it growing and kind of figuring it out and it, and it hasn't, it's not a mainstream thing. Um, I just wrote a song called This is Water, and it's about the idea of things that are, that are in our minds and bodies so deeply that we don't even know they're there. Um, kind of based on a parable about a fish swimming along, and someone asks, how's the water? And the fish says, what water? Because the fish doesn't understand what water is because it's just in the water. Interesting. Um Yeah, so I think a lot about – when I think about belief systems, I think a lot about that. We're a little bit back to that thing of where people take on certain beliefs so they can have comfort in their life. Yeah. Um, yeah. um, I I look at sort of the the intersection of capitalism and Christianity as a really sort of dangerous and sad place. And I don't even blame religion for a lot of problems the way a lot of people do. I blame consolidation of power and people wanting – to have stability more than they want to think things through um, and not wanting to rock the boat essentially. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can happen in a government or in a business or in a religion. I, I, I look at popes and presidents and CEOs the same way. They're, they're, they're all just people who have way oh. too much power and influence. Um, and, and the entities that they, Oversee whether it's a government or a gazillion dollar business or a uh, religion you know those also are things that are just there's just way too much concentration of power and then people want the power and they want the privilege that comes with being in that community and so they either they decide to believe what the stories are or they just pretend to believe them so they can have the benefits of membership in that world and it's a perfectly normal i get it like and it's just so sad and i think you know if you want to talk about the root of evil i think that's that might be where to look um is just when people trade their integrity and the real sense of what's true and reasonable for the safety of a job or a friendship community or something mm-hmm. um, because they're scared to be alone or so, uh, whatever, again, very human things. I'm not mad at anyone about it. I just, that's kind of one of those deals where people are blaming, you know, some people will blame the government more, some people will blame religion more, some people will blame business more, whatever it is. And I, I, I see them all as, as very much the same thing. And I know we started at Scientology, but that that's the deal is that Scientology isn't any, different than anything I was just talking about. Um, I think there's a shitty concentration of power, and there's a lack of transparency, and there's probably a lot of people who are kind of lost and don't have a real great sense of themselves, and they're offered community and answers. And God, that's just a valuable commodity for someone who who doesn't have the self-esteem developed to think for themselves.
1: Absolutely. Um,
3: it's, a, it's a very, very tempting thing. And so I'm, for everything I've tried, um, I'm, I've am i always been so grateful that I have a really strong sense of myself, and a really strong sense of common sense, and of reason, and of critical thinking, because when those things aren't in place, it's real, real easy to, to sell people out by the billions.
1: Oh yeah, that's just um, as important as, as music, yeah. I mean, priceless, yeah. priceless thing to have that not everyone does, and... The, the whole thing that fascinated me about this whole thing and everything is, I grew up in a yeah. Mormon. I grew up in a Mormon household, so I'm I've been on the well, other side go. of that curtain where, yeah. you know, you see how the world sees it, you see how you're raised with it, like exactly, it's weird, and it's and people are fascinated by it, and then it's like, well, I mean, I could tell you about it, like the, you know, so I was just curious about on that point because I mean, I've come from that I love side, that. And, you know, so yeah,
3: and I've I don't know if you know, but the guy who did the art for Tin Can's of Strings to you. I'm sure you still haven't talked to him in a while, but he was a a Mormon. Really? Um, Yeah. And uh, just, you know, this amazing artist, this guy, Stephen, I just, I I loved hanging out with him and talking with him um, Mm -hmm. because, yeah, he just had this wild mind and I really loved this different world he was in. Yeah, no, and he, he like, we we got out of touch when he went and did his mission and stuff like that. And then he kind of wrote me some weird kind of, like, racist shit. But, again, he was, like, (laughs) the nicest guy in the world. Like, but he wasn't even mean racist shit. It was just. his mission was sent him to the South and he was just in this basically massively predominantly black poor community after a lifetime of being raised in a gated community of Mormons Mm -hmm. and you know, we're we're all white. Yeah. Um, And so he was just kind of lost and um, whatever. I I would actually love to see him again and see how he's kind of turned out. But um, yeah, I think again, back to this is water thing. If you're raised in that, if you're a little creature and you're taught all this shit, how the fuck are you supposed to know what's right and wrong if you don't have any <laughs> access to? Like, if someone says that, then you know our parents are our gods when we're born. They're they're all we know. Who yeah. knows how we perceive the world? But any developmental psychologist will tell you that there's a you know there's a lot of <laughs> stuff that just kind of gets in there, and so but and it's funny, but what you just said, but I I've been around you know other Mormons since since you brought up that particular thing. And, and it is a slightly more sort of closed community in that way. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of beauty. Um, the thing that story, I think you were just talking about Lutherans, which, um,
1: yeah, the old apostolic and, Lutherans They're they're here in like battleground Washington area. Um,
3: right. And so like, so yeah, I've only known Lutheran as like kind of like a, you know, kind of a mellow kind of liberal take on Christianity. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't know that of what the level that you're talking about, but what you just said, um, yeah, on the one side, they don't know what a fucking drumbeat is, and that's weird. But on the other side, they're taking care of each other and learning a trade so they can live.
2: Yep. Mm-hmm.
3: And there's a really beautiful thing to that. Like, there's a, I, I sing in the choir of a church that's a, ostensibly a Methodist church, but it's this incredibly radical, open minded, uh, you know more social justice based it's more about you know we feed a million males a year and you know they have like a 60 million dollar budget that all feeds the homeless and it's just it's an incredible 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 organization and we gather and it's a beautiful it's just an impossibly beautiful thing to gather and sing together and talk about love and talk about showing up for each other which is all the church should be Mm -hmm. um and yet it just meets all of this dogma and all of this money. and it, 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 So it's so sad when it gets lost because there's so much beauty to be had. And and to circle back to your initial question, I believe the exact same thing about Scientology. I think there's perfectly interesting basic underpinnings of what their belief system is. Again, forget about the mythology because it sounds insane, but yeah. any mythology of any belief system sounds insane. Yeah, truly.
1: taken literally, um, absolutely.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's totally nuts. So, but that aside, their precepts aren't particularly weird. It's just kind of, it just morphed into a sad kind of money-grubbing pyramid schemey kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, and it sucks because, like a lot of other belief systems, you know, it has some stuff going for it, but... There we
1: are. Yeah. Human dude.
3: beings doing Absolutely. their thing, <laughs> doing our best to fuck up good ideas since forever.
1: Hell yeah, buddy. Well, dude, Jonah, <laughs> d- thank you so much, man, for the. For oh, the this time. is great. This, this is, so is fun. awesome. Oh, I God. wish I had several hours to spend, but like. I know. I can really get going. And no, I, this I, is I love awesome. Your like, i, w- I w- Oh, man. And, and I mean, you mentioned psychedelics and stuff. I would love to get into that stuff eventually, but like the, the, um. Totally. Uh, do you know? Have you heard of uh, a band called Circus Survive?
3: Of course, yeah. Oh. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm in touch. Yeah, I know it too. As a it's, it's uh, Colin is very famously pro. Like, yeah. You know, like, have you done um,
1: his podcast yet? Uh, the Cosmic Nod. He just I started haven't. a podcast. It's insane. It's so good. You got to. Uh, I was going to say I would connect I'll, you guys, I'll, but you know each other, so. Uh, well, he, we, we
3: do network-wise, but feel free to, to, you know, you can. Since people wrote to you saying that you should have me on, you should write to him. I'll, and I'll call him, him
1: up. He lives down I'll, the street from me, so. He's then I'll a,
3: go beyond the cosmic nod. Dude, um, you would love and, that podcast.
1: Yeah. It's so much fun. He's so good. He's so great. He's he's been on so many podcasts himself. He's like, I just need to start one. And he did it, and it's great. So
3: Yeah, he's uh, a he's a real he's a real sweetheart as far as I can tell. So I um, oh, that's man. a I'll actually I'll reach out to him, but you reach out to him too. Yeah. Um I'll hook because it up. that's a that's a good that's a good little uh serendipity to take to take uh to take advantage of. Um so let's do that. And yeah, I mean Hey, anytime you wanna, um, you know, talk some more, let me know. Dude, Come around, absolutely. And, um, and yeah, let me know. Um, definitely get the book. Um, speaking of podcasts and stuff, like I recorded the audiobook as well. Um, oh, okay. So you can you can get just the, you know, just the download of the audiobook, and it's been a crazy soundtrack. Like got my high school talent show on and all this crazy shit. <laughs> nice um, and. But the physical copy of the book is there, too, and it's a really rad little thing. So I hope you get that and enjoy it. Oh, I'll maybe do that here in probably half hour here. And, awesome, yeah. So grab that um, and check out the little community thing. And I, I would love your thoughts on it. Absolutely. And basically, whether we're being recorded or not, you know, let's just keep this conversation going. Because honestly, like I say, I'm at this point just really happy to be alive and happy and really happy to be in touch with people who – care about this so thanks for
1: caring absolutely man and thank you I, and I say it all the time but I mean thank you for your contribution to music and the effect mm. that what you do had on my life and the trajectory I mean like I say I mean we don't know who our things touch you know a lot of the time but that's with right. this podcast I get to talk to a lot of people that have that's and, what I'm uh, saying I was just
3: gonna say yeah. keep, just pass it on you know absolutely and, and anyone anyone that shows interest just love them up because maybe they'll pass it on too um uh, but yeah, I I love that you're doing it and keep on going. And obviously when it's done, send a link, I'll, I'll shout it out. And, Absolutely. You know, love you up. Um, Yeah. But anyway, just have a beautiful one. Thanks for being so kind. Love to you and your family.
1: Same and, to uh, you, my friend.
3: Yeah. I hope to see you in the Northwest soon.
1: All right, my friend. We'll talk soon. Later. Thanks, Jonah. Bye. Bye. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Jonah Matrenga. What an awesome person. And uh, yeah, check out his book. Uh, hit him up online. Uh, he's got his own little community, and uh, yeah, it's really awesome. It's cool to see how he's doing it. Now you guys have heard how he's doing it on the episode, so go check him out online. Join the community and get his book. It's really good. So uh, it's a bit of pleasure having you guys back week after week. I love it. I love it a lot. Um, got to hang out with my buddy Chris Swinney from the that One Time on Tour podcast. He flew out from uh, Indiana, And we got to do a crossover kind of episode, which will be out in a few weeks. Uh, If you guys are interested in that, that'll be coming up soon. And, uh, yeah, shout out to him. Shout out to Mark for driving him up from Corvallis all the way up to Portland. Uh, We recorded in my garage for the first time. I have never recorded at the house. And... uh, it came out pretty good, I think. It sounded pretty good. Chris has, I think he has a lot better gear than I do, <laughs> and he understands it. So as you guys know, I go pretty punk rock and just get it done and, and put it out. Very little editing uh, and keep it real. So anyways, shout out to Chris for coming out and, and doing an episode. There's a lot of big things in store, a lot of things coming out soon. And I'm so glad you guys uh, you know, sat through this episode and, and enjoyed some time with Jonah, as I did as well. All right, guys, I'm going to get out of here. But as always, we'll see you on the radio.